Okay, hopefully this is going to go well. It's a long, a little bit of long Dvartar, so bear with me. But, uh, you know, this week's Parsha is a double Parsha, Parsha's Vayakov Akudai. And in this week's Parsha, in continuing the theme of the previous Parshiot, recounts the steps and actions towards the building of the Mishkan itself. And among the different Kalim described is the Kior, is the washing basin that the Kohanim would use to purify their hands and their feet before starting the service, before the start of the Avoidah, in the Beis HaMikdash. Now in previous instances, whenever the Torah has mentioned the Kior, the Torah does not tell us exactly where the source material came from in order to make it. Only until now, only until this week's parsha, as it says, He made the Kior of copper and its, and its pedestal of copper with the mirrors of the women who congregated at the entrance of the Tent of Meeting. Now Rashi, basing himself on the Medjitim Chum, explains the significance of this information. And he tells us, I'm going to read it to you in English, that the, the, the Benois Yisrael, the daughters of Israel, had in their possession copper mirrors with which of them they used to beautify themselves. When their husbands would be exhausted by the terrible, terrible labor, the women would go and bring them food and drink, and then you entice their husbands to desire, and they would, get, they would be together, and from those, that unison, they would give birth from that unison. Now, Rashi continues to tell us that Moshe initially rejected the offering from the women because they are made from, quote, evil inclination, from the Yitzhahara. But Hashem demands that the offering be accepted. He says, because these are, are dearer to me than through all of the things that everyone has given. This is dearest of all to me. For the women established many, many legions of offspring of, tzitza, of, of Tzitzaiah coming from those Marasat Now, we've seen many times before that there's always something very deep between the back and forth of Moshe Rabbeinu HaKadosh Baruch we spoke about it also in Parshas Truma. And, uh, I mean, seemingly, there's always a lesson that really we can learn, a foundational philosophy to be expressed. So here, too, I think it's worthwhile to also delve into the dynamics at play. Now, first we have to ask, what was Moshe's initial process? What was his thought process? It was as if we could even know Moshe Rabbeinu's thought process. But simply to understand, why is it that initially he wanted to reject the acceptance, the, the acceptance of the, these mirrors? Now, and what, was, and what is it about HaKadosh Baruch saying that, no, these are more desired to me, the Yosef Chavivin from everything else, these Maritzot's voice. What is going on over here? So when one, one takes a look at the, at the original source, the Medjitan Chum that Rashi is even quoting himself, we are struck with the, the, almost like the intensity with which Moshe actually refuses the mirrors. The Medjitan uses the word Nozaf, or some Svarim even say Zaaf, Nozaf. But it's like, it really can be translated, the way the translation is, is rage, is like a very internal anger almost. He was angry, but the response was like a very visceral response. Seemingly, Moshe's refusal to accept the mirrors was not out of personal preference, God forbid, it wasn't like, you know, some personal issue that he had. Rather, I would, I would actually like to suggest that Moshe's reaction indicates a principled stance. His rejection was based on the perception of something inherently about the mirrors that didn't, that seemingly should not stem and should not fit necessarily with the, with the Mishkan. So what is it that didn't seemingly fit with the Mishkan? If you think about it, what was the reason to why there actually needed to be Marsat Tzvayis? I mean, what's the entire concept of, of, of a husband and wife being together? That need for procreation is in its essence, is a direct, I guess, result of the chait of Adam HaRishon. Because if you think about it, if we were to really think about this, that the whole reason as to why we even need to procreate is because we were chayta. Hashem is, in essence, the opposite of that. And it's kind of an interesting point, which is that the Mishkan, on the one hand, is a bias Lashem. 
and we spoke about it before that Hashem wants to dwell among us, but still, if it's a bias to Hashem, then shouldn't the inherent structure of the Mishkan itself be something which doesn't lend itself to any connection to the idea that human beings are, 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 are limited? Adarabah, it's a bias to Hashem. It should be, it's reflecting the nitzchias of HaKadosh Baruch the immortality of Hashem. And really, I mean, that's seemingly what Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to say, I want to suggest, which is that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying that the Maris Hatzvahis, which stem from the, which, which are connected to the concept of procreation, it stems from the lack and the, the limitation of man, the limitation of, hum, of humanity. And specifically because we're, we're limited, because we're choyte, it doesn't pass, it doesn't stem, it doesn't stem, it doesn't seem to make sense that it should be in the Mishkan. The Mishkan is a, is a bias called Kulei Lakadosh Baruch and yet, that's not what happened. At the end of the day, what do I mean? HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response to Moshe was, No, accept them. Because these are Yoser, Chavivi, from, from all the other Kalim in the base, in, in the base HaMegdash and in the Mishkan. For through these Kalim, for the, the, through these mirrors, the women established offspring for the nation of Egypt. And you have to understand, we have to think about it. Despite the burden of slavery and the atrocities that happened, of, that happened to Klai Yisrael in the Mitzrayim, the women did not lose hope in the future redemption of Klai The HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded that for Klai Yisrael would be Zochetu. The women's faith through, shown through these mirrors was not a representation of man's limitation. Adarabah. They were symbols of the deeply felt faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's province. And Adarabah, that's something which isn't Kokul Nitzchi. The concept of Amunah, the concept of believing in HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the tar- darkest of times, in the toughest of times, that, is, that goes beyond all limitations. That surpasses all conceptions of time and space. And Adarabah says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in responding to take the Maharsat's place, he was in a sense making that statement of, that's beyond space and time. This is more Nitzchi than even Nitzchi itself. The very fact that Klal Yisrael, by using the Kalim, and the, specifically the Nashim Sitkanis, these holy women that use the Kalim, that use these Marzah's voice to become something so pure and so holy. And actually, one could even suggest that for this very reason, of all the things, the mirrors were converted into the washing basin for the Kahanim. The, the Kiyor would be used to purify the Kahanim, who would serve as the Shluchim between people and Hashem in a personal connection of devotion thus coupling man and Hashem in a very special union. And again, that's the beauty of it. I Meaning, even though we have a Mishkan, Hashem wants to be a Shaykhim B'Shaykhim, who's to say that it should be a place that has any relationship towards man's limitations? And yet, the very fact that we can raise man's limitations to above time and space, to be Greiskite, to have that Etzim concept of Nitzchi, that's something which is Shaykh and inherently to the Mosig of the Mishkan. Adarabah, that is the most Mishkan thing you could possibly imagine. That is Nitzchi by Etzim. But the fact that we have that power, that ability to rise above the Nitzchi, to rise above the Gashmi, to become Nitzchi. We should have a wonderful Shabbos. I hope you listen to this. And if you got this far, oh, I owe you at least a, at least a couple of bucks. All the best.